0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class.
1: Hello to anyone who is listening to this later on via Temple Beth Am's podcast. Uh, nice to be back studying with you uh, in uh, in the midst of really... Complicated things that are happening in our in our world in our Jewish world every day. It's nice to spend an hour a week focused just on text, just on ideas. Uh, and hopefully the heat will be turned off in this room and we can start breathing breathing again. It is very hot in Whiteman Conference Room right Rabbi,
2: now. Is, are there, is there class the next two weeks or what's the uh, yeah so Christmas week as
1: well? What did so yeah okay with yeah um what what day of the week is Christmas? No, yeah yeah right yeah. yeah I I expect to teach the twentieth the twenty seventh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, originally, I was going to be originally originally I was going to be away in Israel this week okay. and this week for the pressman trip, but obviously that got canceled. So I'm actually now uh, in town. Um, okay, uh, we are on chapter eight, verse twenty five. Haven't read the Rashi yet, and um, as I told you last week, the Rashi is Rashi going to. It's one of his tersest um, comments. He basically just adds a letter. To a word, and it makes us figure out what it is that's in the verse or in the construction of the word as it appears in the Torah that made him feel like he had to say something and what he's adding to it. Um, and we'll have to ask, is this a purely grammatical thing that he's working on, or is there some content that he's playing with as well? The verse to remind us in verse 25, which we've now spent a lot of time on, but let's just say it again. Chapter 8, verse 25, by Yomar Moshe, Moses said, He ne'an me'imach. I, here I am leaving from you, v'ha'atarti el-adonai, I will plead to God, the sar he'arov, we discussed this, could either mean that God is the subject of sar, and and it's a causative, God will remove the arov, or the subject of sar is arov, that the arov will depart, miparo from Pharaoh, he's now speaking to Pharaoh in the, uh, you know, the, royal third person ume Abadab and his servants ume amo and his nation machar tomorrow rock al yosef paro but pharaoh do not let not pharaoh continue Hatel, and we looked at the bdb Hatel can mean to deceive it can also mean to mock and we discussed how in uh, english those are two very different ideas both of which are things you wouldn't want you know your child to learn how to do but they're very different to deceive and mock and in hebrew somehow it somehow means both Unculus translates it as uh meaning to lie, to deceive. Uh, and now it's, it's qualified. Let, let Pharaoh no longer do whatever Hatel means, the vilti shalach am by refusing to, by not dispatching his, the, the, the people, or ladonai, to sacrifice to God as we have been asking to do. Okay? It's a long, complicated verse. In all of that, the only thing that Rashi is commenting on is the word Hatel. Uh, Okay, Um, so we discussed the origin of Hatel, that it means to deceive or to mock. We didn't discuss what grammatical form Hatel is in. Does anyone want to, before we look at the Rashi, I'm kind of leading the witness. Anybody want to weigh in, particularly those, the grammar nerds here, on what form Hatel is in? Or you might want to go at it, what form you would have imagined Hatel to be in? (laughs)
3: <laughs> that was just Joel infin- taking the
1: time to get uh, to get the microphone. Yeah, it should be infinitive, but it looks like it's it's imperative. Good, all right. So you're on Rashi's wavelength. If you if you say this in Hebrew or English, whatever the meaning of Hatel means, it should be con- in in the construct of an infinitive. Pharaoh should um, should not continue Yosef to do something. Right? Whatever, oops. What whatever. Um, it is that uh, it means it's, it should be an infinitive form, right? Al-Yosef le, He should not continue to deceive or to mock. And it looks like imperative in the sense that if the verb is lehatel, the way you would give an imperative um, form of it to a single male person would be hatel, right? How do you say to speak in Hebrew? daber. How do you tell someone to speak? Daber, right? You know, lish shalem is to pay if, it, if, if you're speaking to a male, a, a single male, and you need him to pay, so say shalemly, right? So hatel looks like an imperative. It should be an infinitive. That's what Rashi is going to be uh, responsive to. Jo, um, Joanna's hand was up, but now it's down.
0: I was going to say the same thing. We're good.
1: Okay. So um, Joel, since you were the first one to kind of jump into that, why don't you read the, 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 the very long Rashi that you basically already said? Hatel lehatel. Right. Okay. So Rashi says this word hatel. You know what it really should be lehatel. Right. Meaning you're wondering why it's not an infinitive. It should be infinitive. You're wondering why why it looks like an imperative. It's not really an imperative, and he's not really. He he's got some backing. Right. First of all, it would be no. It would make no sense for um it to be an imperative here. And in some of the super commentaries on Rashi, it points us to other places in the Torah where what should be, be an infinitive is written without the Lamed. What's fascinating to me about this is that that's normally something that Rashi does for us. Rashi usually sends us on that, on that, in that map. Like here are three other verses where this is going on and he doesn't do it here, but some of the super commentaries do. So look, I'm going to put a um, great 810 on the board because uh, you don't have that in front of you, you just have Shemot. Um one Second. Okay. So, Breshit A10, Parshat Noach. Let's see how this is similar to the construct that we were just discussing. Vayachel od, Shivat yamim, this is Noach, waited another seven days, acherim, Vayosef, and then he continued, or sort of did again, shalach et hayona min What should the word shalach have been? Lishaleach, or lishloach, right? And it's actually the same verb in front of it, Vayosef, he continued, and here, again, the continue just means a second time, to send, but it's written as send. It's written like an imperative, very similar to our situation, okay? One more. Um, we're going to look at a verse that some of you know well from other contexts, uh, the, the prophet Micha, chapter 6, verse 8. This is um, a famous verse because it's often quoted as a way of saying, um, you know, when it comes down to it, is it ritual that God wants from us, or is it uh, to act righteously? So uh, people love to quote Micha inappropriately, right? The, 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 you can counter quote Micha too. Right, so, you know, it, it, we're not just a people of, of modesty; we're also people of ritual. But when you're trying to convince someone that their overly pious prayers that are not followed by righteous acts is not the way to do a Jewish life, micha is one of the verses you go to. Okay, Higid lecha Adam. micha is saying, God has kind of spoken to me, human. Matov, <speaking in Hebrew> what is good? Uma Adonai Dorash micha what does God really seek from you? Ki im asot mishpat, it is rather doing justice, the ahavar Chesed, and the love of, of piety and of, of loving kindness, the Hatzne im um, Elohecha, and to walk humbly with your God. What Hebrew word in there is written? La Asot. What does God expect from you in person? Oh. Wow. Hi, Rick. Wow. Uh, Rick Miller just walked in. It's like 2019 all over again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, right. So, what would we say in English or in Hebrew? God requests that from you to do something. La asot mishpat. But it's written as asot. Here, asot, because the form doesn't look like an imperative, it kind of looks like a gerund, like the doing of justice. These are two examples that Rashi doesn't. Take us to directly, which again is kind of strange. Rashi normally would do that, but the super commentaries say, "Look at these verses, and it's the same thing going on." Lamet is missing; it's clearly an infinitive. Don't try to read it any other way. Barry, take a microphone.
2: Well, it, it,
1: it, I don't think it's on yet.
3: It's on.
2: Okay. Well, uh,
1: um, it,
2: w- one way to look at this is because you mentioned Lassau, so. So, th- what's required is the doing of. And and, and to bringing that back into this verse here, don't don't let Pharaoh uh, uh, have the the deceiving of.
1: Yeah, in some ways, Barry, your comment on Micha, it's possible to read the Micha line without an infinitive better than it is to read our verse, because the doing of. It's the same meaning. But the, to do and the doing of is the same thing, and you can read that verse to mean that what does God request of you? God requests of you the doing of mishpat.
2: And this is to don't 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 allow the deceiving. Of. Don't don't let, don't let deceiving happen.
1: Yeah, the, the, except that in our verse, hatel does not look like a gerund the way asot does, right? So you can read asot as the doing of hatel. The form of it doesn't mean anything other than either an infinitive without a lamid, or an imperative which doesn't make sense in the verse. I mean, if we're making pretzels, we could do that. <laughs> that's true. Um, okay, that's Rashi on an Hatel, and the only thing he says in the verse. Any other comments on it before we go on? What did you say? What did Joel say?
3: It's a, it was a re- reference to the, the fact that they were going to hightail it out of there.
1: That they were going to hightail it out of there. Out of there. Well, but well, what did you say? What? But what was the word that you said in here? No, that... Tail is a reference oh, to hot tail. tail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joel, you, I, you must not get a lot of sleep, because it, it, it takes a lot of hours in the middle of the night to come up with those <laughs> puns. <laughs> hot tail, very nice. Okay, uh, verse 26. Uh, you still have the mic, Joel, and you you got a rashu without a pasuk, so why don't we give you a pasuk? Read verse 26,
3: please. Um, okay and god left from um i mean Moshe yeah. left um, from paro from the presence of paro um to i mean to disappear no uh
1: no this is the same root oh, as as the as 25 where he says, to plead at the bread
3: plead to god and he and he and he supplicated to god
1: good all right um if you're if you're uh focusing again on the meim meim is a, an older biblical way to refer to like like the presence of someone it's sort of built on if if one of the things that e means is with like it, it would sound clunky in English, but Moshe left from being with Pharaoh that's how meim is constructed, but it means he left Pharaoh's presence. If you look at the uncleus unafak Moshe nafak is the aramaic for you to go out mean kadam paro from being in front of from the presence of Pharaoh we discussed this last time tzali is the Aramaic tzali in Hebrew means to roast but tzali in Aramaic means to pray as in Kabel, slow tone may our prayers be received from God's presence Okay, um, short verse, we, we we sort of knew this wish was coming because that's what we were told is going to happen in verse 25, right? Moshe says, I'm going to leave from you, and I'm going to pray to God. So verse 26 says, he left from Pharaoh, and he prayed to God, right? Um, any thoughts or comments on the verse before we see what Rashi is dealing with in the verse? Anything jump out at you? Right? It's, really, it's really sort of a... a what, what, this verse is telling you what um, basically the thing that what we were told was going to happen in the first half of verse 25 happened in using the same verbs, right? I'm going to leave from you. And how, now it says, mm-hmm. I'm going to plead to God. He, pled, he, pled, he pleaded, pleaded, pleaded. Is it both? Can you say either? He uh, pleaded with God. Thoughts, comments before we look at Rashi? Okay, let's look at Rashi. Uh, Joel, do one more. And and again, uh, we have to ask the question, is what Rashi's going for here just content, just grammar or both? The last comment was just grammar, right? He was just disabusing us of the notion that hatel means anything other than lehatel. Let's ask, we can ask that question on this comment as well.
3: Uh, he, like he... He, he worked really hard in prayer.
1: I think that's a re- good way of saying it, right? Ometz means courage or strength. Lahita means to like to, to to summon yourself to to um, to be be, uh, be 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 strong and resolute in your prayer. So Rashi's saying that, and and we don't know yet why he's saying this. That we our image of vayetar adonai that he prayed to God is that he kind of uh, must mustered himself. In prayer, okay. Let, let's let's understand Rashi's words, and then we'll try to figure out what Rashi is saying.
3: I put a period there. Okay.
1: What do you think that phrase means? Who or what is the subject of the ba lomar? Motion. No. Nope because is not speaking in this verse. It, it's, it's sort of hard. You have to kind of really know Rashi well, which you all do to understand how he's saying it here. It's the, it's the writer, right? It's the it's the, the implied author of Imbal Omar. It's the Holy One. It's, God. it's the Torah itself. Meaning, had the Torah... <laughs> wanted to say Vaya'atir. Now, we don't know yet why Vaya'atar and Vaya'atir are so different. So, again, we're going to understand Rashi's words and then figure out why he's saying it. Had he, the the unnamed he who is the author, God, wanted had, wanted to come to say Vaya'atir, he, he would have been able to. Meaning, like, don't think that Vaya'atar is a mistake. It could have been Vaya'atir, right? And just if if we play this out, the, the difference is a pa'al simple version of a verb and a he feel causative, right? So, vaye'atar, and because it, the first root is a guttural, it's not going to look like your normal pa'al verbs, but it's pa'al. It's the simplest form of the root ayin taf resh. Leha'atir is the causative, the he feel, the making someone else do something or an intensifying. And if you look at um, verse 25, when when Moshe says what he's gonna do, the that certainly looks like a, he's promising to do a he feel, a causative. Whatever it means, he doesn't say the how would we say it in paal the atarti, right? Right? The he in front of the atarti suggests that what Moshe is promising to do is whatever the root atar means in he feel, that, that's what he's promising to do. Most times in he feel it's a causative. It's making someone else to do something. Not always. And I can't try to think of a good example where it looks causative because it's he feel, but it really means a multiplying or intensifying. And that's important to understand what Rashi is saying. But so far in the comment, all he's saying is, had God wanted to write this as vayatir in he feel, God could have, but God didn't. God wrote it as vayatar. Therefore, we're getting to his therefore.
3: Um...
1: And by the way, I I I it's a misplaced therefore. Had it been Atir, it would have meant v'yarbeb which means
3: to multiply in in order. Yeah,
1: to do a to to say a lot of prayers, to 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 daven a lot of a lot of tefillot. That's what Rashi thinks Atir means meaning, and I know this is getting clunky, Rashi thinks that the root atar in he feel causative does not mean to cause someone else to pray, but it means to pray a lot of things, to redouble your prayer. It didn't say that, so that's not our image of Moshe. However, keep going. Achshav. No, not You don't have it. achshav? No. What's your next word? Uvashahu okay i have I've she kshahu. okay, okay. But they're different versions
3: so um but here when it says it when it uses the the, the pa'al, paal, right
1: that's rashi's way of saying paal. yeah
3: the meaning is to multiply or to to pray very much as opposed to Making, not saying a lot of prayers.
1: And doesn't that seem like the exact same thing?
3: Yeah.
1: Right. So it's, it's, it's really hard to figure out what Rashi is getting at. I think the, the key is the Nit Amet's Batfila, the, the mustering himself. For some reason, using the grammar, Rashi, rather than wanting us to imagine like Moshe fervently praying a lot of prayers, you know, it's anachronistic anyway to imagine Moshe like dominating. It's more important for Rashi to have us imagine Moshe summoning with strength the ability to pray in the first place. And I think what's going on, but I don't know for sure, is that it's almost unseemly for Rashi to imagine Moshe as davening fervently for Pharaoh. It's easier for Rashi to imagine Moshe figuring out, mustering the ability that, that to to actually um find even one moment that he's comfortable praying on Pharaoh's behalf right and it's 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 a subtle difference but it's a difference right one is yeah it wasn't hard for Moshe to pray he started praying and once he started praying he never stopped according to rashi that would be vayaatir but vayatar is he had to like get the strength the 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 additionalness is not in the amount of prayers but in what moshe had to um like summon within in order to actually be able to stand in prayer at all. So again, my guess is that it's a discomfort in, um, in seeing Moshe as being such a ready supplicant on Pharaoh's behalf. Uh, Their hands up. I see Barry's hand. And then I see Joanna's hand.
2: Going back to that, the, the comment that this is the, the writer creating this and I'm imagining the the how a play is written for actors so uh, moshe is an actor in this play and and that the script in the parenthesis on the sides tells him how he's going to do this and 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 so he's being told you're going to do it this way
1: not that way uh yeah rashi's definitely saying the focus is on the pray the one who is praying as opposed to the amount of prayers um why he's saying that it's a mystery joanna
0: I have a slightly different take on this, I think. If you look back to verse 8-5, Moshe is in conversation with Paro, and the verb appears there in the he-feel. So I almost feel like Rashi's saying, we saw this once before in the he-feel, why didn't we stay with the he-feel? Why did we change the verb form here?
1: I, I think I'm going to yes and you, Right. He doesn't say that explicitly, but he is commenting on the fact that it's changed from hefil to paal. But it's hard for to be certain as to what he thinks the switch from paal from hefil to paal means. But I think you're right. Ra- Moshe promised a hefil praying. He pro- he offered a paal praying. There's got to be a reason for that. Rashi's explanation of the reason is somehow it's it's not that it's it's not an extended number of prayers, but rather an extended effort to pray but the why on the why is hard to be certain about and the super the super commentaries on rashi don't um don't help so much here so it you know sometimes we just don't have an answer but yeah i think you're absolutely right he's he's recognizing that there's a switch in the form and if you look back um where is it um, look at verse 5 in chapter 8 so this is um is this frogs? Yeah, this is in 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 the end of the frog plague when Moshe is kind of toying with Pharaoh. Like, you you tell me exactly when you want me to remove them, and I will. So you're going to think that you're in power because you get to dictate the moment, but it's actually a reinforcement of my and God's power because you tell me 821 in the morning, that's what's going to happen, that's how powerful I am. And look at the form of the verb. By Moshe Pharaoh, Moses said to Pharaoh, I'm allowing you to lord over me a little bit regarding when i will plead on your behalf what form is atir he feel i know the he isn't there otherwise it would have been etar so we've had he feel moshe keeps promising he feel but when he actually does it it's pa'al and rashi is trying to learn something from that yes barry
2: so I mean, if you go back to, the, again, the writer, uh, it, it, to be effective to God, God, and we've seen it elsewhere in, in, in the prophets, uh, what's required of us is purity. Um, so to, to, to plead, you, you, it's, it's not superfluous words. You, you need to make the plea. So he may say he's going to do such and such, but to be effective, he has to do it this way.
1: Yeah. Um, that's all Rashi says on that verse. Anything else? Yes, Leonard. Let's give Leonard a microphone.
4: Um, Ibn Ezra has a much simpler explanation.
1: Okay, I can pull it up while you're, while you're discussing it.
4: Uh, Ibn Ezra says that there's a few words, not very many where the call and the he feel mean exactly the same thing.
1: Okay.
4: Here's one of them.
1: <laughs> Let's take a look. So I'm going to um, put it on the screen. Okay. Um, can someone just go move that black bar so that we can see it there? By 8c, uh, yeah. Just click that. Or just move it to the left side of the page. Click on the black. Okay, while while Elon is trying to figure that out, what Ibn Ezra and you can see most of it in the room, Yesh milot b'lashon hakodesh. There are words in Hebrew shehen shavot Batam have the same meaning behe mishne even when they are in the same binyan the same form. Mehakel u'mehachbed. Right when. By the way, every century or so it seems in in a medieval. Jewish um, uh, commentary: the words they use to describe biblical grammatical terms changed. So, um, for for Ibn Ezra, what we call the the paal, he's calling the kal. Some people learn as kalaso, and what he's calling, what we call the he feel, he's calling the hachbed, which is like a, an intensifier. Kamo behatarti So he says that the word, and he prayed to God, and I will to God even though they're in different they mean the same thing Um, and he gives a couple other examples yeah Ibn Ezra Ezra says nothing to see here essentially okay and you know Ibn Ezra might be right because Rashi it's not that Rashi's comment seems tortured it's that it's hard to know exactly what we're we're supposed to draw out of it right sometimes uh, cigars are cigars all right Um, Rick yes let's give Mick the microphone
5: Leave it here. Do I need to hold
1: it? You need to get it pretty close to your mouth.
5: Okay. I'm glad Tova came because I was because I was going to um, ask you about Egypt. So um, the the what we what we know about Egypt is that when you died, you had to go to each of the gods and entreat to them and pass a question, and then you could go to the next one where they measured your heart against the feather. We've talked about that. So Moses is telling Pharaoh, "I'm going to do this." So his audience is Pharaoh, and what does Pharaoh want to hear? That he's going to go to the gods, like like he goes, like like Pharaoh goes to the Egyptian gods and uh, and treats. So I want to ask about whether there's a um, the idea that we're not. Moses isn't forcing God to do something. He's just asking God to do it, whether that's feel or Pa'al. I think Rashi doesn't want to have Moses telling Pharaoh that he's going to make God do something. It's just for Pharaoh's ears to hear that. I don't know, but there's something going on there about whether he has the, the, the power to make the God do something or not.
1: I hear you. Uh, in the content of what you're saying, it's hard to graph that onto the raw grammar because if atar in the hefeel is causative, it wouldn't be Moshe causing God to release or to stop. It would be Moshe causing God to pray, and that wouldn't make any sense, right? Because because the root means to entreat. So it's sort of impossible to read this as causative because to say that the hatarti el-Adonai it's not that I caused God to plead, right? And that would be the only way of rendering it in the causative. Um, I was just looking at BDB to see if, he, if there's any hints there in the different um, forms of Atar. So I'm going to share the screen also. And again, if there, are any, if there are any hints about the things it means in different forms, it's actually drawn from our verses. So BDB says that the root Atar means to pray or to supplicate, always to God. Remember we looked at it last time. Um, in the nifal, which makes sense, is to be supplicated, be entreated, because it's happening to you. Yeah. And he, look at that. Look at this where my cursor is. He feel equals kal. He basically agrees with Ibn Ezra, right? When you, when this, vo, when this um, verb appears in the he feel, which is normally causative, all it means is kal. Kal is another way of saying paal, just to make supplication. Yeah. So Rashi. Yeah you were you were you were you were working too hard Rashi. <laughs>
0: um
1: good anything else on that verse we're we'll looking at the next one? Uh okay uh Marshall do you want to read verse 20 It's 27 I believe.
4: don't like it bar Moshe
1: and as just a little preview as you're translating by Arov, it's going to be the same double possibility grammatically as two verses ago in terms of who the subject is go ahead
6: we, get, we can't hear marshall
1: oh right marshall didn't have a, a microphone well, so far all rashi's done is all marshall's done is read a verse but he did it very well <laughs>
4: Um so he removed the whatever this Arov means. Well first by Yas. Oh sorry. Um, God, God did according to uh Moses, according to the word of Moses, and he removed the
1: uh
4: the Arov. Um I'm not sure exactly what the word Arov means here.
1: Well, it's whatever we understand this plague to be, right? So the arov, right? There, they It's either the wild beasts or the insects, but whatever it is, from before, it's removed from right?
4: from Pharaoh and from his servants and from his people. Right. Not one of these things remained.
1: Good. And we can translate Yasar arov either as the 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 subject is pulled forward from vayas aranai and God removed, or like in the previous verse, the, the arrow removed, the remove disappeared, right? It's hard to know um, if fayasar, again, pa'al or feel because if it's he feel, then God is doing the removing. Um, or it could just be the, the, the plague itself got removed, okay? Lo okay. sharhad, not one remained.
4: Okay, so let me just read Robert Alter's translation. Sure. And the Lord did according to Moses' word, and the horde turned away from Pharaoh and from his servants and from his people. Not one remained.
1: Right, so Alter is reading the subject of Yasar to be the Arov itself, to turn away. It it turned itself away, and that is one of the ways of reading it. When we looked at the last verse, the, tr- the translations were split on whether the subject is the Arov or God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, microphone, Elon. You
2: know, what strikes me as uh, something that I really like about this verse is really up until now, our, as in our conversations, We've portrayed Moses as somewhat of a puppet slash agent of God. But actually, if you read this verse, it says God did what Moses said he would do. So to me, I read it as Moses cut a deal with Pharaoh and God backed him up. Right, hmm. And it gives Moses more agency than in previous verses.
1: Interesting. Yeah, because normally when someone is doing something, kidvar someone else, it's it's Moshe doing something, Kedvar hear It's God doing Kedvar Moshe. Nice. Uh, I don't remember offhand. Um, any other comments on the verse itself before we look at the Rashi? Barry?
2: I want to back up a bit, uh, going back in, in, in 24, where uh, Pharaoh was asking uh, Moshe, "Hitiru uh, pray for me. But what's happening here is Moshe is said uh, he's going to pray to God to remove the animals. There, there's no prayer for Pharaoh, and, uh, and and so the the animals are are, are, are left are,
1: are gone, but Pharaoh doesn't get his prayer. Yeah, depending on what Hatirubadi means, right? If 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 Hatirubadi means pray for me such that these plagues are removed from me Then it does. If a uh, hatiru means add another prayer for me, then no. And if you remember, I think we looked at this, look at the uncle as han the end of verse 24. He says, very interestingly, salu af alay, pray, uh, pray Moshe, even for me, meaning I'm not just asking for removal of the plague. I, I, I want you to say me Shabarak for me, right? That's not necessarily the only way to read the verse because the af is not Uh, in in the verse so uh, in in that regard, Moshe is not a puppet Pharaoh's requiring
2: something but Moshe is deceiving him
1: so it's unclear what exactly uh, Pharaoh is asking what we know is that what happened is that the uh, plague gets removed Um, let's look yes
6: I think over there I'm not very sure the line but um, um, Pharaoh said when you go yeah we let you go in the for three days And that's where he said, pray for me. When they are in the desert praying for God, also pray for him. Because that happens with many people who are not the same religion, like you go to mosque or to church or to synagogue, your friend has a sick person or something, pray for me. too. I think that's where Pharaoh was saying. Right, when when I let you leave. Yeah. Yes. He hasn't been there. Okay.
1: Uh, okay let's look at the rashi on uh verse twenty
4: seven uh marshall you're up. the uh, hat so uh, he merely removed them or he removed the swarm of animals he merely removed them and he did not die as a frogs had died
1: right if you look back at verse nine so uh, this actually shows um Rick, that this is not the first Vayassanai Kedvar Moshe. Look at verse nine, Vayassanai Kedvar Moshe, that God did as Moshe had said, Vayamutu <laughs> The frogs didn't disappear; they died. In fact, they died and created a smelly heap. Min habatim from the houses, min hachatzerot from the from the courtyards, min from the fields, Vayitzburu tam chumarim chumarim. They kind of piled them up into big heaps, Vativ asha aretz, and the land was smelly. So Rashi saying, whatever the arov are, Rashi saying since the torah could have told us that they died because the torah told us they died when it comes to the frogs we should surmise that they didn't die they just were removed and it's interesting his explanation as to why that's significant mm-hmm.
4: keep going okay uh for had they died the the Egyptians could have made some use of their skins.
1: Right. According to Rashi, I rove as wild beasts. Wild right. beasts. Right. right. Not, not insects. Right. Not, if they're inse- not insects. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So um, again, ra- remember the pathway. Rashi, knowing the text by heart, notices a, d- a distinction between the way this plague ends and versus a previous plague end. We have been told in the past that the things that were, being, that were plaguing Egypt uh, died off. We're not told that here. Why are we not told that here? I have an answer. Because had no, nobody can do anything positive with smelly frogs in your, um, you know, piling up, right? But if if these were wild animals, there's a whole lot you could do with the skins, and we don't want We don't want there to be like um, ancillary benefit to the Egyptians uh, because the plague is over. And he's quoting from a, a midrashic Tanakhuma yes rashi i guess didn't like frog legs uh, norm
5: on um, alters translation is consistent with the rashi okay. as he says the arrow turned aside which d- does not imply they, that they died but that they left and yeah. so they were gone
1: correct correct it's a, di- it's a different verb right uh what would the previous one what happened to the kinim um, hold on. How did the kinim leave? No, we got kinim. Kinim was the last one. Yeah, I feel like we never find out. Um, right, with the kinim, the uh, the Egyptian. Uh, magicians try to do it and are not able to, but I don't think we ever find out what happens to the kinim, right? Verse 13, he hits the, he hits the ground and there's a swarm. Verse 14, the Chartumim try, they couldn't, which we talked about. What is it? What is it they couldn't do? They couldn't produce more lice upon their own people. Big deal. Um, 15, the Chartumim say this must be uh, God's hand and, uh, and, his his heart was was hardened and by 16 we're already moving towards the next plague so it's interesting um in that plague we're not told what happens to what happens to them they just they just they just disappear maybe okay anything else in verse 27 Uh, oh yes rebecca and then marshall
0: just a quick thing since we were talking about frogs i wanted to tell you that on jeopardy last week there was a in the um category of amphibians the question was although this biblical frog is the world's largest at around 12 inches long its tadpoles are the same size as other frogs everybody and, oh, should get this
1: what is an egyptian frog
0: no this large frog you remember what it's called remember the large frog we talked about was it one frog because it was singular
1: i know we looked at a picture of it I forgot what, what is what it
0: a goliath frog
1: a goliath frog wow uh, Marshall,
4: uh, Rabbi Clickfield, I wonder if you can just, for benefit of the class, explain how the vav ha works, because here, and I, I know there's a change in the pronunciation where the accent is, is I read it, by yassar ha-arov Biparo. and it's not by yassar.
1: Okay, so um, we do use the term vav a lot. Literally, vav ha means the vav of switching, the vav of reversing. And basically, it's a grammatical construct that takes a past tense verb and turns it into a future tense verb or takes a future tense verb and turns it into a past tense verb, ergo the hipuch. And sometimes, depending on whether it's a two-letter Hebrew root or a three-letter Hebrew root, sometimes based on whether or not the last letter of the three-letter root is a hey, sometimes based on whether any of the letters is a guttural, it changes what it, it changes how how much different that that um that vav version of the of the verb is going to look compared to a standard future tense right so if the verb lasur to remove is a paal um, then the future would just be yisor or yisar and in the vav form it's vayas vayasar um to try to explain why every vowel is exactly the way it is would require me to resurrect my teacher, uh, uh, Professor David uh, Avram Holtz, who passed away a few weeks ago that we spoke about, um, and 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 he would be able to give a better answer than I can. But, but, on <laughs> uh, unvi- <laughs> un- Vayasar. Un- 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 yeah. All right, uh, I'll I'll take the bait. Hold on a second. Ibn uh, Ezra on verse twenty-seven. I don't have any of it, as on verse twenty-seven. Uh, there's I... Ah, oh, the debor is by us. Milad vayaser z'rab digduk. <laughs> <laughs> He says, we'll we read the whole thing, but the, the verb ayasar is a very strange word in grammar, and the way it's constructed is strange, and that's why it's ambiguous who the, author, who the subject is. yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to read the whole thing, but go, go Ibn Ezra. Okay. It's, it's, it's an Ibn Ezra kind of day. Um, all right, uh, do we dare do a third verse of the day? Unbelievable. Uh, Toba, you want to read verse 28? microphone last verse of the of
6: the chapter of of the of chapter eight of Exodus <clears throat> and Pharaoh hardened or made heavy his heart just like the other time <laughs> or that time, and he did not let the people go
1: okay so here we have a verse where there's no hard Hebrew, there's no hard construct. Um, we, we basically know what's being told to us, uh, which makes it a, a yet an even more interesting verse to ask upon it. What what jumps out of you? Right? <laughs> there, there are no hard forms. We we know these words. Um, anything that anything speak to you, Joel, and then Leonard. <laughs> Hold on. shalach <laughs> and Shilach. Good. Okay. So. Uh, shilach is the past tense of the PL of the root, Lishaleach. Shalach would be the past tense of the Pa'al form of Shalach, which means Lishloach, right? And that's also a hard verb because when the last letter is a chet, it changes some of the vowels. So, um, we might say, let sh- Lishloach means to send, Lishaleach means to like dispatch, to like send on a, on a mission. Um, and so, uh is there a reason why it's being um
3: what was, uh, what was Moshe asking when he says shlach is it
1: pa or is it pl, PL. Okay. because it would be shloach it would be paal. yeah so i think i think it's been pretty consistent in pl when was the last time that root sh- uh, shows up um yeah so and in 25 levilti shalach et haam um That's, I think that is from a a PL form, because it would have been shloach, etam, if it was pa'al. And although it's also the case that the way that verb is declined in modern Hebrew is different than it, in some ways than it was declined in, uh, sorry, conjugated in biblical Hebrew. So it's it's hard to know exactly. But this one, shilach, is definitely, um, definitely PL, although I think in modern Hebrew, it would be shileach. Not shilach, I have to think about that. Okay, uh, any other questions? Yes, Tova.
6: Not a question, and I know the point has been made before, but I just still find it elegant. Right, because it doesn't just mean harden, it means to to be heavy mm. and of course we have the image of the weighing of the heart which yeah. is the central image of, of just being justified as a human being
1: <laughs> yeah probably more apt than our modern understanding of having a heavy heart right because right. that i don't know if that english idiom makes sense in an ancient way because we do have it in english but it, it's probably not what it meant here but that's more interesting the the the, this, the ritual
6: it's bad because you're weighing on a balance against ma'at, against the feather of truth when you're being judged after your death. And if it weighs down, if your heart is heavier than truth, that means it's weighted down by sin, basically, mm. by having done evil things.
5: And again, the author could have written, he refused. He didn't have to say he, he hardened his heart. He could have said it a hundred different ways. That He said no, but they chose the heart image because it was important to the egyptian
1: yeah maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, anyone else on the verse itself marshall was your hand up before uh, no okay um so let's read um what rashi says what rashi is focusing on is ba- ba- the the ambiguous bapam hazot that time right because the 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 question we would ask immediately that immediately is what's the antecedent what's the that time to which uh, this verse is referring to, su- such that we're, it's happening again. What's what's the that time? Let Last actually before we read Rashi. What are the possibilities? What uh, when it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart, Gamba Pam Hazod. Also on on this time. What's the also also
3: like in previous plague,
1: like his previous plague. Right, previous plague or previous plagues. Right. It's interesting, and Rashi's is going to. Uh, this abuses of the notion that it's the previous, it's the exact previous previous plague. Okay. Yeah,
2: we don't have don't
4: know, the verse is missing in the Silverman Rashi. Yeah. No.
1: All, right. yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. I'll, let's see if it's on Safaria.
3: It is in Safaristate.
1: Interesting. So it's like a, maybe it's...
3: Printing maybe.
1: Yeah, or a uh, or different tradition as to whether that exists, but usually I don't have the Torah, anyone have the Torah Chaim here? Yeah. And it's not in the Torah Chaim? And it doesn't, s- <laughs> interesting, because the Torah Chaim is the most scholarly version of the Mikrook Dolod, and usually it would say like, this doesn't appear in some manuscripts of Rashi, but it's going to include it. It's not there at all in Torah Chaim.
6: <laughs>
1: but just because it doesn't <laughs> appear.
6: probably takes more ink. Yeah. Then the
1: verse, then the comment itself. Okay, so here's what some versions of Rashi have. Gamba Mazot. Uh since I have it in front of me, I'll I'll read it. Afalpi sheamar Anochi Ashalach et Chem Lokiam Haftachato. Okay. So um even though he said, I'm going to uh, dispatch you, as he said in the uh, previous verses. Lo, ki'am haftahto. He didn't um, fulfill his promise. Rashi is saying a lot more here than it looks like he's saying. Okay, Rashi is trying to attach the gam hapam, the pam hazot, not to a plague but to a promise. In the previous plague in the kinim we did not have God promising uh, at any point to let them, sorry, Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh promising to let them go should the plague end. In fact, we don't, as we just discussed, we never really saw that plague dissipate. So the Pam Hazod is not like the last plague, but the last time that he promised, right? The last time Pharaoh promised, Pharaoh also didn't fulfill his promise. Also this time, the promise, not the plague, the, the, the promise was not fulfilled. And I think you have to go back to Tzfardea, right? Uh, for the last time, He promises to let them go if it's removed and it doesn't happen. Um, Verse 11 11 of chapter 8. Look at that. Right. Pharaoh saw that there was some relief and he hardened his heart. He did not listen to them um, uh, as God had said he would. So this is another breaking of a promise, not a another similar end of a plague because plague four ends differently than plague three, right? Is it earth shattering? No, but Rashi is precise and he doesn't want you to think that this is just, um, connected to the previous plague. Cause the previous plague didn't end with a broken promise. Rebecca, let's get Rebecca a microphone. Can I see the Torah time while you're doing that?
0: Yeah, I had noticed that, um, <clears throat> Then in 11, after the frogs, Pharaoh had hardened his heart. But then after the um, the lice, the kinim, it used the word Pharaoh's heart was hardened. So almost thinking that, was it God who hardened his heart? Which, you know, I kind of seem to remember learning God is the one who hardened Pharaoh's heart. So his heart was hardened. But now we're back to Pharaoh hardening his heart. So who is it that's really doing the um, hardening?
1: Yeah, and that's the... It's the most important moral question of this, all these chapters, right? The, is Pharaoh responsible for his recalcitrance and therefore whatever he suffers, he suffers because he made the decision? Or is Pharaoh a puppet who's being punished for something that God is forcing him to do? And it's very hard to un, untie that knot. Hold on one second, Norman Allen. Uh, so, um, unsurprisingly, the Torah Chaim, uh, which again is the, the most scholarly version, academic version of this on the previous rashi on verse 27 which we read by yasar Ha-erov, that um that the uh, wild beast didn't die and because otherwise they would be able to use their skins there's a footnote on that in this version and the footnote says bidfus we shown in the first printing of rashi the previous rashi not this one doesn't doesn't appear um komo, and instead of it ita we have our comment so the, 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 the ones who are annotating this version of Rashi are aware that both these comments exist, but they're saying in the first printing of Rashi, the one we're reading now exists and not the previous one. And yet this, they've chosen to reverse it and print the one from the previous verse and not this one because their scholarship suggests that that is the most accurate rep- uh, uh, version of Rashi, but they're aware that both of them exist. So there are printed versions of Rashi or The the earliest printing of Rashi has the Rashi we're reading now, but not the Rashi in the previous verse. Uh, There were three hands, Norm, Alan, and then Marshall. To address Rebecca's question directly, um, as I recall it, sometimes it says
5: that Pharaoh hardens his heart. Sometimes it suggests God hardens Pharaoh's heart. And
1: sometimes it simply isn't mentioned at all. Yeah. There's a wonderful comment in one of the pages of the, of the Yitzchayim Chumash in the Drash commentary, I forgot who it's attributed to, maybe it's unattributed, in which case it's just Harold Kushner, um, that makes the argument that you can see a pattern that over the first couple of plagues, it's um, um, Pharaoh hardening his heart, and in the last couple of plagues, it's God hardening his heart, and the Midrashic explanation is, if you do something long enough, you become habituated to it, and then you are it's almost as if God is doing it for you because you can't leave that pattern, right? So, but you're responsible for having allowed yourself to be habituated to it, right? Bad behavior to get used to is very hard to undo, right? So at some point it becomes as if God is doing it to you, not that God is forcing you, but the way God created human behavior is that the 17th time you do the wrong thing, it's very hard to to turn around. Alan and Marshall. Yeah.
5: that That's where I was going in terms of that word, but it's just it's surprising because I thought that was like the first five were going to be he hardened his own heart, and the second five it's that God did. But yet we have an exception here because it appears that, on as Rebecca was saying, that on the prior plague, it was dealing with that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Is that
1: well? I don't think we have any hardening when it, when it, when the lice are out, right? Uh, no. Oh, yeah, verse 16, 15, that, right, it's, it's it's not that he hardened his heart, but that his heart was hardened. It's sort of a passive hardening, yeah. All right.
4: Marshall? I'm always interested in looking at various translations, and here are three of them. The first is from the contemporary Torah, but Pharaoh became stubborn this time also, comma, and would not let the people go second one is from the silver uh silverman, Silber, uh, and Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also comma neither would he let the people go okay and then Robert alter and Pharaoh hardened his heart this time comma two comma two t o right and he did not send off the people
1: <clears> hmm <throat> Uh the Koran translation uh agree, puts in the neither like like the second one you read. um just share the screen corin is and Paro hardened his heart at this time, also neither would he let the people go uh everett fox um, but Pharaoh made his heart heavy with stubbornness this time as well, and he did not send the people free uh, Kaplan uh any interesting ones over there, Larry. Larry's gone. Oh, okay. I um, don't
4: have Kaplan in front of me. I'm sorry. What? What do you say? I don't have Kaplan in front of me today. I'm sorry.
1: Got it. Okay. Um, all right. That takes us to nine thirty. So um, next week we'll start chapter nine. If you want to look ahead, you know we're 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 we're, we're making progress. We're we're you know a couple of a couple of pages away from the seventh aliyah, but we have the end of the era in our sights um someone asked me before the room is full uh will classes not be taking place over winter break i'm here so i'm uh next week the 20th the following week, 27th the following week, the third uh some of you may individually be traveling but class will be taking place uh chag urim sameach chodesh tov happy tevet have a good day you
0: have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Betham, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Betham Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.